Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard, and I'm taking Michigan over East Carolina in their game Saturday, September 2nd. BetOnline has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit BetOnline today. Only thing worse than she was making a bunt cake. <laughs> That's the first time the words bunt cake have been mentioned on your podcast, right? I think so. That's a- I think so. The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Michter's American Whiskeys and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. This week's episode is a pair of brothers, the Manning brothers, Cooper and Peyton Manning. They are a riot. You get these two in a room and they just start sharing stories like, ooh, you wouldn't believe. Now Peyton had to tell Cooper to cut it out a little bit. Some humor comes up uh, amongst us. What a good time. And and also, we broke out some really, really rare whiskey. I broke out uh, an old Oscar Pepper bottle and bond that's more than 100 years old, and uh, a Four Roses um, blend of straights from the 1940s. And, of course, we had their uh, Sweetens Cove as well and some Michter's 10-year-old, some 291. It was really a great tasting. I really enjoyed it. So much fun. And they were just uh, couldn't be more hospitable in the city of New Orleans. Now, this is the very first uh, Fred Minnick show on the Podcast One network. And if you are a Podcast One listener and you're the this is the first time you are hitting uh, listening to the Fred Minnick show, make sure you go to fredminnick.com, email me. And I will send you a sticker. I will send you a Fred Minnick Show sticker. You can slap it on your laptop or your uh, or your vehicle or how whatever you do with stickers in your home. I don't know, maybe put it on the refrigerator or or use it as a prank in the office. Find somebody there that you know they feel like they need a a nice podcast sticker in their life. I mean, that brighten up their day, and make them make them feel better about who they are. They wake up and they see that sticker and they're like. Man, I'm happy. I'm just so glad to be here. Of course, that's probably not going to happen. But listen, if you want a sticker, hit me up on fredminnick.com. We are going to send you a sticker. But you're not here for the stickers. You're probably here for the Peyton Manning interview, and I don't blame you. He's a heck of a guy and a heck of an interview, and he really gets emotional when he talks about the NFL Hall of Fame. I can't wait for you to listen to it. So enjoy this week's episode. But first, a word from our sponsors. People want a great whiskey that isn't like every other whiskey. So nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak, 291 Colorado whiskey is distilled from grain to barrel to bottle. Exceptional Western whiskey, unlike any other. Passion permeates every sip. Utilizing grains from the Colorado Plains, water collected from Pikes Peak Reservoirs, and finished with Aspen Staves, 291 Colorado Whiskey is an award-winning single barrel and small batch whiskey. Hard made the Colorado way. Our recipe, our stills, independent and always rugged, refined, and rebellious. 291 Colorado Whiskey is proud of its humble roots and excited as we expand to new frontiers. Get your taste of Colorado at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Online orders available or find a bottle near you. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single-barrel whiskey as we do, 
Each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michters gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michters Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michters Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michters Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Peyton Cooper, thanks for coming on. You look good in the NASCAR. What do you think, Peyton? Well, you tell me. I mean, you're the expert. Uh, it's rarely that Cooper comes and uh, changes a wardrobe once he gets here. This is a first. But uh, you know, Fred knows Southern hospitality. He comes to my town. He brings a gift, and you know, we don't mess around. We're off the rack on the back, Fred. Right? You, you know, hand it off, open it, open the present, and then you did help me tie it. So I do appreciate. Well, that. you know, but you all also have some great clothing stores here. Rubenstein's? Yes, yes. They have the best Ascot selection in the country. Is that right? You know, yeah. I went to school with the Rubenstein uh, really? the kids, yeah, and I never saw them wear an Ascot to school, which is odd. Well, they probably just keep them stocked for weirdos like me, you know, <laughs> who come yeah. into New Orleans. And... They're backlogged on yeah. Ascots. That's fantastic. So I come here usually in like the dead of summer, and I'll go there, and there'll be like clearances on Ascots, because who the hell's wearing an Ascot in July, right? So... I can assure you, me in one year. Yeah. <laughs> I love I'm, it. I'm coming in early. I'm coming I love in about it. a week before you get here and just take all your Oh, inventory. well, you know what? Maybe if we go there together, I'd get a better deal since you went to school with That's them. That's probably right. She didn't I like me like very much. They're probably going to the coo- premium charge. It's called the Coopy discount. Yeah, yeah. It's, you can get that in several, several stores. I love here. it. Yes. Well, thanks for coming on, y'all. I'm, I'm excited to drink some whiskey with you. And, uh, and also, welcome to the whiskey business. Thanks. I mean, uh, cool. Yeah, it's um, it's been a fun journey, Fred. It's been uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, kind of surrounded myself with some great teammates, mm-hmm. uh, Marianne, who I know you know. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a fun uh, adventure. I'm kind of just getting started. Uh, launched during a pandemic, which is yeah. I don't know if I'd recommend or not, but we did it and we got through it. And uh, it's uh, just exciting to see what's on the. What's on the horizon? Great to be here in Louisiana, uh, Cooper and I's home state, and mm-hmm. uh, so we're kind of spreading the word and uh, looking forward to what's ahead. It is cool. We'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and start off with pouring a little of your whiskey here. This is batch two. Now I tasted this earlier. You all out. This is um, you all did really good on this. It's better, I think, than the first batch was, pretty, which was pretty good. And why do you say that? Well, this has a this has got a, a touch higher in proof. And you know, there's a little bit more spice in there, and I just I really like I really like it when a bourbon expresses itself on the back of the palate. So when you taste this, see how it feels on the back of your palate. Because when I when I tasted it for the first time, there was like a back palate explosion, kind of like a lot of pepper spices. You know, imagine with you know what Cooper's used to. Right. On a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of spice. Let's leave my bowels out of it, Fred. <laughs> Sorry, you know, you know, Fred. This the first time I was on the show, which was probably 
shoot, a year, yeah, yeah, year, a year, year change, ago. I was um, um, way in over my head, I would say. And now I feel like kind of a savvy veteran. That's that's what's scary is that he thinks he's well on your level already. It's it's, it's beginning. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> he's, he's dressing like you. Yeah. He's going to speak like you. He's going to have his own podcast like you. That'd be awesome. And entourage is next, Fred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see him lined up waiting to get autographs from both of us. Now, how long you all been drinking bourbon? It is new to me, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I'm the first to admit that I do not have all the answers on this. And like in anything I've gotten into, if you don't know, admit it and uh, go surround yourself with some people who do know. Sure. And um, it's been fun having Marianne Eve's kind of be the quarterback of this mm-hmm. team, uh, if you will, to use a cheesy football analogy, Fred, on your show. Uh, she's calling the shots, and we're just kind of following her lead. Um, it's just been awesome to see what a star she is and the respect that she has in mm-hmm. this industry. So if it wasn't for her, um, I don't think we'd be at this point. We wouldn't be on your podcast, wouldn't have uh, been in Texas and Louisiana, uh, along with Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, and Colorado. Just a coincidence, a couple of states that I have connections to. Uh, That's awesome. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that, so she's taught us a lot about it. Uh, I've learned a lot. I think what Cooper and I both agree on, Fred, the people that do drink a lot of bourbon, that know bourbon, they've been just very honest and straightforward and said, we, we love how it tastes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really tastes good. And so I kind of go off that feedback as opposed to me acting like I'm a bourbon expert. And, you know, when you get into palate, um, mm-hmm. I don't even want to think about. Yeah, you made a pallet on the floor to sleep a couple nights ago. <laughs> you know. So who's who's the uh, who's the most likely teammate on the whiskey side to to steal a bottle? Uh, you know, from your collection. You know that they shouldn't. Ooh. I think Roddick. Roddick. I think Roddick. Yeah. He's, he's kind of got a lot of um, pent up aggression. I would he? say yeah. just yeah, yeah. yeah. a propensity to, to be a thief. You know, <laughs> he's a stealer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be so. He kind of, he and Eli, I think, kind of the same category. You, you got to keep your eyes on him. Mm-hmm. Eli, we call him the silent assassin. You think he's just sweet, you know, innocent. Next thing you know, he's stolen your bourbon. He has changed the language settings on your iPhone. You can't get it out. Focus on that back palate. So you feel it in the back. Very different there yes. than that first batch. A lot of pepper. A lot more pepper. And the spice and the kick I like, is that is that just depend on the individual or is that kind well, of a... Yeah, I mean, everybody's palate's different. So, you know, it's, it's much like athleticism. It's, a lot of it's genetics and a lot of it's like um, what you ate during the day, what's influenced you. It, everything has, um, has an impact, you know, so... What's unique about this one, as I've learned, you know, the first year it was Marianne uh, just, you know, doing a 13-year age. This... Uh, batch was really her using her expertise and using her blending skills of a four-year, six-year, and a 16-year. Uh, so that's what I've learned is kind of where she does her magic is she can take these different age uh, barrels and, you know, mix, uh, blend them and come into this, you know, special second batch that there's 50,000 bottles now. We're proud to share it with other states, you know, last year just in Tennessee and Georgia. And, and Fred, it's the same theme. It's it's a it's based off the golf course, Sweetens Cove, which, as you know, it's a nine-hole kind of hidden treasure golf course in Tennessee, hard to find. Um, and the bourbon kind of follows a similar path. It's premium. There's not that many bottles. It's hard to find, but when you find it, wow! 
I really have something special here. And uh, the two things I've learned about bourbon, better have a story with it and it better taste good. And we feel like we're two for two on those so far. Well, I think the story part, like, and, you know, in my world, that's just a little bit. It better taste good. That's, that's a leader. <laughs> that's, that's, that's 98%. Leader. All right. And price is the other one that comes in there. And, and, you know, and you all are priced at a premium for sure. And this is, uh, this is, this is, there's a lot of 200 to $400 products out there. And it's right there, right there in the thick of it. In fact, there's, there's some $200 products out that just are awful. Hmm. Absolutely awful right now. So there's a lot of bad whiskey hitting the market. And, you know, you all are not one of them. So. Great. So that's a good that's a good thing. So it, it's good to come into the market and not suck. So cheers to that. You know, <laughs> and, uh, it's always good also, Fred, to have a lot of friends who are big bourbon guys. I have friends that you know drive, you know drive places instead of fly because they may run into a little spot that has some sort of bourbon they've been chasing, and mm-hmm. they um, they're honest with us. They're old friends who would tell us, you know, this sucks or you're onto something good. And uh, we've gotten uh, from pretty critical. Um, Honest friends have given us, yeah, yeah. given us the real, the good saying, you know, we're on to something here. Yeah, I mean, that's good to have honest friends, especially when it comes to bourbon and the bourbon world, because, <laughs> you know, this is, a, this is a genre that people do not mince words. And I want to take you now, oh, want to take you now to the 1940s. Hmm. Uh, so we started with yours. We're now going to the 1940s. This is uh, Four Roses. This is a blend of straights from the 1940s. Now, Four Roses is a brand that's uh, purely a straight bourbon now, but back then um, there was not a lot of uh, uh, bourbon in the barrels that they could bottle as straight, so they had to get uh, bourbon from all over the place. And when you do that, you can't. There's certain label laws that you have to follow. So if you all ever get down the road where you are blending in bourbon from Tennessee. Uh, Kentucky, Indiana, Texas, by law, you will have to um, label it as a blend of straights. And this happens to be a a vintage, very old uh, bottle. And the uh, last NFL player I drank this with, you may not like this, Indominus Sioux. Nice. Really? Yeah. I uh, always try to be very nice to Indominus Sioux. (laughs) Get on his good side. Yeah. So he doesn't... Put you on your backside. He so. was. Uh, so he's a bourbon guy. He's a bourbon guy. He actually owns a little piece of a bourbon company. Does he? Yeah. Need to get him some Sweetens coat. We also need to give an ascot, Fred. Well, I sent him one, and uh, you know he didn't wear it. Didn't so. fit. For Fred, it probably, probably, didn't probably didn't wrapped around his wrist. You know, <laughs> big boy. He got a neck, a twenty-two inch neck. It's bigger than the whole batch of Four Roses we're giving you to drink. I could have lived in the forties. I could have. What, what would New Orleans would have in the 40s? What would New Orleans been like in the 40s? Oh, I would say um, absolute the Wild West. Fun. Gambling, mafia, um, a lot of uh, entertainment. Um, well, what do you mean by entertainment, Cooper? Fred, this is a <laughs> show we've already... I would music. say... Great music. I was great great music. music. I would say a lot of comedy. I would say a lot of uh, burlesque shows, if you will. Right. Um, Big food. And, uh, yeah, you know... The restaurants, and then just you know the mixture of all the the Spanish, the French, and just uh, a bustling town, a place to be. And um, uh, yeah, that would have been a, a good decade in the '40s. Would have been Fred, us three. Dear God, look out! <laughs> huh? I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. Well, this bottle could have been sitting on a shelf. 
You're, you know, you're probably, you know, it's ironic. We're in a, a restaurant called Jack Rose, which mm-hmm. is a bourbon drink. I bet you, I bet you it has a little here, you know, history with four roses. I bet that's where it came from. Probably. I'm, I'm no historian, but uh, I am today. What's your collection of bourbon look like, Fred? I mean, oh, I'm not a collector as much as a. Um, I have a bunch of bottles opened and I share with friends, but okay. I've got you know between between my house and my office and a few other hiding spots. Between three and five thousand bottles. Goodness, where are you hiding bottles, Fred? You, you got to go in the, some cemetery and uh, behind a. I am constantly surprised where I have a, a random <laughs> bourbon bottle. Is that right? And most of it's because I have to hide it from my wife. You know, she steals my bourbon all the time. She likes the hooch. She she drinks the bourbon, so I'm out of town, right? And and I have this uh, really rare bottle of Booker's. Uh-huh. It was the only bottle. It was the only like Booker's rye that they ever put out. I mean, right now it's between eight hundred and twelve hundred dollars on the secondary market. Just incredibly wow. complex, beautiful. I get home, the damn thing is drained. She's been making whiskey sours out of it. Oof! That's, yeah. I mean, only thing worse is she was making a bunt cake. <laughs> That's the first time the words bunt cake have been mentioned on your podcast, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think of this uh, this little piece of history of this Four Roses? I like it. a little more, a little more tame. Maybe not the same kick. Seems like uh, just a little more. Uh, it's a lot lower in proof. I feel um, it. But there you go. I do. I feel it right <laughs> in my face. That's going numb right yeah, now. Yeah, this right. this tastes a lot like leather and mint to me. Like a lot of leather, like like the like a chin piece or something like that. Like a what? Like a you know the chin strap or like oh a strap. yeah like a piece a, of uh, maybe, saddle leather. Yeah. Maybe a chin strap from the forties. It's it is I mean, your, or maybe a they helmet. They didn't have chin straps in the forties. They had leather they, helmets. They just had leather. Yes. Yeah. Licking a leather helmet with Fred. What could go wrong? <laughs> this is yeah, I guess it's delicious. It's it's amazing too. It's kept, you know? All these years it's kept. And one of the bottles I brought here, this is from uh, this was distilled nineteen sixteen. Mm-hmm. And bottled in 1925. Wow. I had to open it beforehand because it hadn't touched oxygen in the in nearly a hundred years. So I wanted to air out a little bit because you know when it first hits oxygen, it can be really, you know, it can be very interesting with a whiskey that old. And but, uh, and do, do bourbons can they go can they go bad? Over- they can bad. They can go bad. It's it's all about where they're stored, how they're stored. Um, and also, cork back then didn't have the same treatments as they do today. So a cork from back then could have been just straight from a tree, you know, without, like, any treatment to it. And so there could be still be, uh, you know, that's coming from an oak tree. So so was the barrel coming from an oak tree. So there could be, like, lignans and tannins injected into the spirit because the spirit's pulling it out from the cork. And it could also be drying the cork, and it could be slowly going off. There's also an issue with, like, mice. Mice like to eat cork from old uh, old whiskey bottles, mm. um, and uh, if if you stored it next to something like say gasoline that has you know puts out vapors that could get in there, so there's a lot of storage issues that can be can be had. And when I noticed it started evaporating, I was like, I got to bust this open. But I don't I don't I don't break out something. This was originally going to be consumed with my little boy when he turned 21 because his name's Oscar. This is the old Oscar Pepper. 
And you're so, wasting it on Cooper. Yeah, yeah really. Uh, and Oscar, I, oh, Coopy before Oscar. I love it already, Fred. Well, <laughs> I've already secured another Oscar Pepper. <laughs> okay. So right. I, I'm not, I'm not letting my boy down just yet. Good. Yeah. Just yeah. I'm I sure like a, a guy named Oscar. I mean, you can count on him, right? Yeah. You can throw up in his car, and he won't even care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got two little boys, mm-hmm. and I'm watching you as a father right now mm-hmm. with how you are with your boy in the national limelight. And you know what grade do you give me, Fred? It's got to be in the low C minus. Yeah, I mean, huh? I, honestly, I look up to you as a father. Well, thank I you. think you're doing an incredible job. Well, you know? we I mean, had a pretty good, you know, mentor to kind of, you know, it's 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 always helpful to have a little template ahead of you. Where you can kind of follow the leader. So uh, I appreciate that. It's a pleasure to absolutely drink bourbon with you. I appreciate you uh, breaking out something special on our behalf. What does it mean to you to to see your son, you know, following the uh, the family? Legacy. Well, I, you know, I think for all your children, you want them just to be happy and do things they they're passionate about and they love to do. So, mm-hmm. if um, if if it was violin or piano or you know tennis or golf or whatever he's passionate about, wanting to follow their dream, and as parents, you want to you know, put them in positions to, to succeed and be happy. So, I'm um, I'm proud of all my children for a number of different reasons, but um, you know, it's fun to it's fun to see them like things they they like to do and. Uh, uh, looking forward to a fun. It's been fun to watch him interact with Peyton. We were just up in Denver, working out and showing him, kind of teaching him some things that were out of my league. And uh, he's uh, he's thrived in that. So it's it's fun to see him learn. It's awesome. Where where do you think he is right now? You know, I don't talk about him much publicly. He, he's got a lot, lot lot of expectations and pressure on him. I feel like when I speak, all that does is kind yeah. of add and increase. So I'm his uncle. Uh, I'm proud of them, just like I am uh, all of uh, Cooper's two other children and Eli's children. And try to be a good uncle. Cooper's a great uncle to our kids, as is Uncle Eli. So um, I'm, um, you know, it's, this has been a fun second chapter, you know, for me, kind of post football, raising children and, and seeing Cooper's got one going to college, which is hard to believe. Um, and because uh, I went to the carnival instead of college, Fred, which makes it you know, we're proud of her. I about spit my whiskey on uh, Peyton there. That was so funny. <laughs> That'd been yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that's uh, pretty, pretty admirable. Uh, one of the other things that it, it seems to be in the family tradition is like no social media. How the heck can you survive in today's world without social media? I, I you know, admire that. I, I think we took a big cue off Peyton there. I mean, for, for being uh, pretty well known, he's one of the few that's not on it. And uh, and I think uh, you know, we've, it's been a it's been a it's a nice thing to have your children not be on it. It's one less thing to worry about. It's hard enough as it is. So uh, yeah, I think Fred, uh, I can speak to is as a football player, um, is that I survived without it uh all players did up until when did it start in the mid 2000s um uh you know people communicated uh, in the locker room uh when we had a little break we talked and spoke to each other right as opposed to everybody going down to their phones and uh you know checking social media in, in, in football uh it can be divisive where Players are reading comments and what the fans are saying, and yeah. critics are saying. Next thing they're going to tell the coach, "Hey, they say I should get the ball more. You need to call more plays to me." So, I, I guess my point is, uh, life was actually possible without social media for a long time. And I think there's some, maybe you call them old school uh, lessons out of that pre-social media that I think are still important today. Speaking to people, looking at um, 
looking uh, people in the eye, still writing a handwritten letter or still making a phone call to them uh, as opposed to just tweeting it out kind mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little more personal uh, touches I think are, are still important. So um, it's, um, that's probably why, you know, had I been born later and all I knew was social media, I'm sure I would be on it. But just because played for a long time without it and, uh, you know, you can still communicate and survive without it. Well, God bless you for doing that. It feels like it feels like it tears our our country and everything else apart all the time. So now we're going to go back to the modern world uh, with some uh, Michter's ten-year-old. Now this is um, Michter. Where's where that? Where's that? Where's that out of? Fred? So this is out of Kentucky. Uh -huh. This is from a, a distillery in uh, Kentucky called Michter's. It's uh, formerly in Pennsylvania. And they were a, um, you know, they were a, a famous uh, Pennsylvania distillery, and then moved to, moved to Kentucky after the Pennsylvania one went out of business in 1987. It was speaking of, you know, family. The founder of it named it after his uh, two boys. Uh, the first child was uh, Michael. The second child was Peter. So Michter's is a tribute to his two children. Nice. What's the cost of it, Fred? This is uh, this is about a hundred to two hundred dollar product, yeah. uh, depending on the market. It'd fall into the premium yeah. world. Yeah. yeah, this is this would be a super premium. Uh, dare I say a competitor to yours? Oh, Fred, <laughs> I'm gonna have to meet Michter outside during commercial. That's okay. That's a cool. It is a cool top though. It's kind of got yeah. the, got a little almost little yeah the little wax there. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I hate wax tops. Do you? I, I was say, is the, is, the, is the bottle important? Is the presentation important to you? I mean, I know, um, I know the taste is here, but I mean... I got, yeah, I mean, the, the, bottle of a, the bottle is important, but it's more important about, like, how much room it takes up on my shelf. Got it. Because, like, if you get one that's, like, that wide, you know, it takes <laughs> off, like, you know, half of the shelf. You're telling me Michael and Peter were not concerned about your shelf space? Well, they are, they're long gone by now, oh. but, um, you know, this one, th this is a fine bottle. But, you know, there are bottles out there that are, you know, take up that much space in comparison to that one, which is like that. You know, I, I'm not really that much into the, to the bottle. I like a cool label. Mm -hmm. I like a cool label. But how, are we doing, how are we doing the label department? Yeah, you know, your, your label's pretty, um, pretty like, new age, mm -hmm. you know, so you, there's no, uh, first of all, it, it, it's always nice when it doesn't fall into that, like, historic uh, style of, like, old this, old that, or whatever. So the fact that it's even named Sweeten's Cove is kind, of, uh, is kind of interesting. You know, for those of us that didn't know about the golf course, it was like, oh, what is this? You know? mm -hmm. So there, that, that part of it, it's pretty unique. Uh, but uh, the bottle, this is, this is the good color design. You know, use cork. I'm a passionate cork person because this is sustainable. Um, and I also, when, when the synthetic cork has been sitting for a while, I can taste the plastic. And I've tasted a blind and I've been able to taste it. And it's like, I hate synthetic cork. <laughs> so screw cap I'm okay with, but I don't think you want a screw cap. You know, it's just kind of cheap. But um, Fred, can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. As far as bourbons go, I know I'm sure you, have, you drink it several times a week. Are you always a bourbon straight guy or do you like a... Manhattan or an old Oh, passion. yeah, of course I mix it up. You yeah. Mix it up. But, then, like, if I'm being analytical, so if I'm, like, uh, like I'm on a spirits competition and, I, and I'm a critic, 
And if I am just analyzing the spirit, I, I do it based on like how it's in the bottle. I won't add anything. But if I'm just out enjoying myself, you know, if I'm going to a football game, I really like whiskey on the rocks, um, something like that. Uh, if I'm fishing, something like that, yeah, of course I'm mixing it up. You have a bourbon and Coke sometimes at a football game? Yeah. That's Jack that, and Coke. That actually. tastes like a football game to me. That's what it reminds it me is, of yeah. freshman year. You got to get the right one. What I hate is when someone spends two, two $300 for a bottle of bourbon and then mix it. Mix it, yeah. And, and a Manhattan, fine. Old fashioned, fine. But when you're yadding Coke, I mean, come on. I agree. Why <laughs> waste the money? No kidding. You know? Why waste the money? Sorry, I'll give this a little Michter's here a taste and uh, see what you think. Hmm. More similar to Sweetens Cove than the Four Roses. Four Roses. Yeah. Oh, definitely. For sure. Definitely more modern. Um, I love the that fact approach. that I said something and Fred agreed with me. Yeah. I, fact, I mean, <laughs> you're just throwing darts. You're saying a lot. And he's kind of just being nice because you're wearing his ascot. I, I mean, like I'm actually on the. Peyton, let's be honest. Fred, I can't feel speaking. my face right now. Where, where, <laughs> wearing the ascot a, goes a long way. It, 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 that yeah. I, I just thought it'd be too much. Like, we're kissing up too much. We're both warm. <laughs> You if know. I had a beard and those glasses, <laughs> if he would have had more time, this would be the it'd be the most viewed. You know, hey, I got a, I got show. a haircut because of you guys. What? Really? Yeah. Here in New Orleans or here back, in New back Orleans? Back? Wow. I, I had to have an emergency barber come in and cut my hair. Did you get the beard? Trim? Got got a beard trim and everything. And, and here's the thing: I've been growing it out, you know, with COVID and what have you. And uh, my mother-in-law took one look at me <laughs> when she's getting the kids. She's like. No. You need to cut your yeah, hair. You're not going Peyton. on the road. She's like, you need to cut your hair for Peyton Manning. <laughs> and uh, and I said, and it just stuck with me. And when my mother-in-law says something, right, you know, so I asked a couple of the people, like, oh, yeah. I'm like, people have been lying to me about my hair looking right, good this yeah. whole time. So, you know. Well, Fred, I remember my favorite, one of my favorite signs, when we were on the show before, you had that sign behind you that said, vodka sucks. That's right. The, I told Peyton that before. I said, just so you know what, what we're dealing with, Fred's purist the potato juice out of the yeah. gates yeah that that stuff is the devil yeah. but if you want to drink vodka that's absolutely fine sure. i have no issues with that have you ever you never you never you don't ever partake in a little mm, you know no. summertime only vodka for, tonic only for charity mm-hmm. I, I i took the last time i drank vodka uh i made a charity i think it was five thousand dollars <laughs> i was like it was a uso charity and uh there was a random bottle of kettle one or something and like, hey, drink this for uh, for charity. It, it's like it's like equivalent of like a player wearing a their you know, a, it'd be like you know Tom Brady wearing a Peyton Manning jersey. It just that, it burns. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, it that, that's kind of leaves a mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fred's too. Yeah, he's too loyal. I could see I could see them to trading jerseys at some point you know, you know, for a charity. I think just it's just going to be a bourbon relationship going forward. I yeah. think Fred. I think you know, keep it keep it liquid. Liquid is the way to go. Mm-hmm. All right, so the consensus on Michter's. Like, you like it. Yeah, I think yeah. right down the middle. Nothing, you know, I don't want to get, you know, in a rumble with the Michter folks, but I think, you know, a Wednesday <laughs> lunch, fine. Wednesday lunch? Yeah. All right. Uh, I was going to ask you also, Fred, what, what's your favorite food to eat with? Mm. How, do, how do you? Oh, barbecue, you, probably barbecue. Um, I'm a big, big fan of, like, in, any of the meats. Uh, and and also, things like uh, beets and like really rich vegetables mm-hmm. go incredible with uh, with bourbon. 
Um, but you gotta pair it right, you know, if you can't have the, like an over-the-top blue cheese or vinaigrette there, it's gotta be balanced. You know, salmon is really good. With, really? Uh, that surprises you know, me. Yeah, like, especially if it's like a butter, like there's a little butter and a little uh, kind of like dill on top of it. Uh, there are some whiskeys that have like really nice herbal notes that really complement the uh, the herbalness of, of the, the salmon topper. Uh, but overall, barbecue is just, it's, it's perfect. Uh, the one thing that I have found that is is has not been able to pair well with uh, with with bourbon has been some of the like uh, nigiris in the sushi world. So like raw fishes, yeah, those those don't do so hot. You need a you need a sake for that. Fred, I'm just kind of role playing here a little bit, but I would love for someone to call like my parents and say, "You're not going to believe this. I saw Cooper today." With a gentleman in an ascot, he was wearing an ascot as well. They were both eating beets and drinking beer. <laughs> That's what I want. Come back and go. Was that true? I can confirm that was in fact it was, the case. It was a Monday. It was a Monday. It was a Monday, and we're now going to the psychiatrist. <laughs> I think this gentleman had just gotten a haircut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now uh, we're going to go to Colorado. All right. And I will say that this one is very different than everything that we have tasted here. So this is a this is a Colorado bourbon at cast strength finished in Aspen. So oh, to really? stay in the play of um, of that fine state. Mm-hmm. Aspen Staves. Name of it? 291. 291. 291. What are we? What are we? What should we be looking? First of all, looking for here. It's hot, so know that going in. It's going to be hotter. Mm-hmm. Um, hotter meaning what? Like it's uh, more alcohol forward. Okay. Now, so then, also the aspen gives it like this smoke character that you do not get in American whiskeys. So be looking for like different types of smoke. And then what foreign country is kind of known for its, what do you think? Is it, so uh, for, for a smoke perspective, yeah, right. uh, definitely Scotland with the peated versions. Uh, you know, not everything in Scotch is peated, but the Isla region, you know, they have, uh, you know, the Laphroaig, uh, Lagavulin, super peat forward. And for a lot of people, that's an off-putting note, but for folks like me, it's just, it's a nice little touch. Fred, can you can a novice sometimes confuse a, a scotch and a bourbon? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, what I have found that you have uh, you when people are not accustomed to drinking spirit, mm-hmm. it can be a, a a tough road to hoe for them, and their palate gets like shocked, you know. So in some ways, you got to get yourself used to it. Smoke. Yeah, that is got the smoke. Yeah, I feel like I just ate a brisket. A big old thick, juicy Texas brisket. Fred, is this the first uh, one of your shows where you have been asked more questions by the subject um, as opposed to you interviewing him? It's got to be. It's, it's got to right, so, be at least in your top five. Uh, I will tell you, the, the one that was the worst was Terry Bradshaw. 
<laughs> I mean, I think I might have asked one question. <laughs> he can do it. He can make a run-on sentence as yeah. good as anybody. And he he flipped it on me so quickly, I didn't even have a chance. Um, <laughs> Tell us who else we need to. Uh, Charles to, Woodson. Charles Woodson. Charles yeah. Woodson has a has a bourbon out. See him of shortly. He does. Yeah, good. Yeah, and the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I can't shake the guy. Same, he's the every, everywhere guy. I go, he, he's with me. Uh, yeah, yeah. locked. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, I think this might be the greatest Hall of Fame class of all time. And he wears an ascot, which is ironic. Yeah, he, he does. does. That he is does. true. <laughs> yeah, it all connects. I know. It's all. It really. It's a small world, the bourbon world. Uh, it's I know. Like kissing cousins. There's wow. not a whole lot of uh, ascots, though. I think in yeah. This world. Hot. Now we're going to. Uh, you should have a glass of water there. We'll rinse out. We're going to go now. We're going to go to uh, some rum. Oh my goodness. We're going to go to a, a pre pre Castro. So pre um, whichever glass you want to use. But this is a. So prior prior to uh, the Cuban Revolution, before Castro came involved, uh, took over the country, you know, that's when this rum was made. And Cuban rum, much like Cuban cigars, are highly coveted. You know, they're very good, and um, they're also all owned by the government. So this is a little taste of Cuban history. Wow, I'm excited now. I've been to Cuba. I went a couple years ago. After I lifted the embargo for a second? Exactly right. Yeah. Kind of minute window. And uh, gorgeous. You know, the whole, the whole, the architecture actually reminds me very much of the French Quarter. Yeah. You know, has, and, but just um, neglected. It's kind of the, it's kind of a sadder. Yeah. I think that's probably a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, rum is, um, is actually the spirit that, as Americans, we drink first. We were drinking, we were drinking rum before we were drinking, um, you know, bourbon. And yeah, I want to hear about. It. Explain that how, that how that all so came about. So we were uh, prior to the Revolutionary War. Um, we were obviously ran by the English. The English had all the major rum making colonies in the East Indies, and um, or the West Indies. And they basically would have their molasses imported here, and it would be distilled in the New England area. And so that's where a lot of stuff was made. They also imported a great deal amount of uh, rum from like Martinique, uh, from Jamaica, Barbados, all of these places. Sugar producing. Yeah, all the sugar sugar producing areas. And uh, there was a good amount of rum and sugar made here in Louisiana, obviously. Uh, and we were indeed big, big rum drinkers. We were drinking a lot more rum than we were whiskey. And in fact, the English was uh, very much against us uh, distilling corn. They wanted corn to be used uh, for food and for livestock feed. And the corn, uh, once we became our own country, was being distilled more. But and once we once we became our own country, we started moving away from the things that the English wanted. Uh, to the point that Congress actually penalized rum. So they put tariffs on rum, and they put tariffs on foreign molasses. And so they basically created a system that would uh, help farmers in the United States because they were growing the corn and the rye and things like that that would be distilled uh, here in the United States. So 
anything that was foreign would get heavily um, impacted by, by our tariff system. So this That's a good history lesson. Cuban rum. Oh my gosh. It's going to be hot. Or molasses. No, this will be this will be like well, um, Fred. That's like butter. It's like some putting on your pancakes in the morning. Yeah, I was, I was worried what you were, what was coming out of your mouth. Pancake, uh, that was the most that was the that was safest simple. thing he said. Yeah. Oh, putting show. on your yeah, what were we gonna say putting on your inner thigh in the morning. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that, Fred. And there we're, we're back. We're Fred, back. can we get a little panoramic view of, of the wall here? Because you know, a lot of people don't know this, but when, when Peyton was out front. You know, working on his three-step drop and perfecting mm-hmm. his throwing motion. I was back in the you know back house, and my parents wanted me to you know be an athlete and stuff. But I also had a passion for painting. Right. And so when uh, we opened this hotel, they broke open the storage unit and unveiled all of my. Uh, was that right? I yeah. Didn't, I didn't, all right. of my I didn't, uh, my I didn't work. Rec- that, I didn't you know, Dad was a little embarrassed to show at the time, but now rec- he's pretty recognize. proud. of yeah, it's most of my floral work. Maybe I've never seen them before. Did you do the Little Wayne? No, I, I, I wasn't. You know, they just kind of jammed Little Wayne right in between all my stuff. And everybody takes a picture with it, and no one wants a picture with that beautiful daffodil I did back in the summer of '84. It is a daffodil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this hotel is very significant and important to you all. It, it is. Um, you know, this is our this is our neighborhood. This is the Garden District. We grew up riding bikes here, and we had Christmas Eve dinner uh, at the Ponch Train. Um, you know, the bulk of our the bulk of our yeah. youth. And so, uh, when uh, when this hotel kind of came fell on hard times, it was a, a fun project for us to be involved with. And and uh, it's been uh, shoot. I think it's been five years ago, really, right around this time that we opened up, and um, things are, things are good. Business is good. People uh, have enjoyed bringing it back to uh, the Garden District in uptown New Orleans. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And this is where the NFL announced uh, the, the New Orleans Saints right. would become right. a franchise. Dave Dixon. That's right. Pete Rosell was right there in the Bayou Bar, which, by the way, is a great place for a cheeseburger and a, you know, an old-fashioned sometimes. If you're craving a little bourbon and want to tiptoe in, eating a burger and kind of getting your... That's kind of how some. I, my mother said she's. That's her. That's her first entree back into to bourbon. It's funny how um, uh, our dad has uh, become a real old-fashioned fan. I know. And, 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 and with Sweetens Cove, he's a he's a loyal consumer, and he's he's proud of his sort of transition in this stage of his life to the old-fashioned. So, uh, but but a Sweetens Cove old-fashioned. Yeah. Hopefully you're giving them some cases and not making. We them are, it. we are. Yeah, right. Cooper makes them pay for it. Yeah. I, I, I actually give it to them, you know, because I, I, I don't live here, so right. Cooper, Cooper charges them full retail for five hundred dollars so. a bottle. He deserves it. You know, he deserves <laughs> it hand delivered to his house. I'll even pour it in his mouth after he put these paintings in. I know there, he was. Charge of, uh, I can't believe we kept him in that back house for that long. <laughs> you know, your your dad is uh, he's a god here, you know, as well as in you know an old miss. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think my dad, I mean, Cooper lives here. You know, obviously, I grew up here, and and um, you know, still get back quite a bit to see friends and family. But I, I feel like the majority of people that come up to me and talk to me about my dad is that, that their story is going to be about something outside of football. The way yeah. he treated them, uh, or their son, in a moment at a restaurant after a game. Mm-hmm. Maybe a charity that he supported that he didn't tell anybody about. I mean, and so I think that, that's kind of been the theme for him is, um, you know, people appreciate 
the fact that he moved here to New Orleans when he got drafted in 71. He lived here year-round, lives here today, raised his family here, and uh, uh, just the way he's kind of treated people. And I think uh, people have remembered that and, and still sort of look at him as, as um, you know, he was the quarterback for the Saints for a long time, but he's been a great ambassador to New Orleans. And, uh, he's, yeah, he's, New Orleans has, you know, needed him a time or two as well. Yeah, you know? no, he's, so. he's been, a good, been a great ambassador. So uh, it, it's a great city to be from. You know, I've enjoyed living in Tennessee, Indiana, Colorado, but, um, but you're only from one hometown, right? Mm -hmm. You're only born in one, one place. And so being born uh, in New Orleans, what, what does dad say? New Orleans born, New Orleans bred. When I die, I'll be New Orleans dead, right? It's, it's a good nice. place. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Well, now we go to the, we go to the headliner, if you will, of the, of the tasting, and I, I apologize if I put too much in your belly here, but uh, you know they told me that uh, you know we can handle it, so hey. it's time. Let's do. It. Let's time for the hundred-year-old. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't come here to paint, you know. Yeah, Fred, who the heck is they telling you? I mean, I'm just a, I'm a young kid just in town trying to just just you know, get your to impress uh, and not make a jerk of myself on a TV show. And you've done that, and I've already no, ruined. It might be too late for yeah, that. But this is uh, this is such a special this is such a special uh, bourbon. You know, if you think about it, we're, our, our country was in a very different place. This was just when uh, this was distilled prior to prohibition. Uh, this would have been available for prescription during prohibition. This was bottled in 1925, and they actually allowed uh, people to go to a doctor and get a prescription for whiskey. And for whatever reason, this one survived. Uh, being prescribed by a doctor. Maybe it was prescribed and set in someone's cabinet for a long time and was never used, which is hard to believe during Prohibition because people needed a drink. So this is for medicinal purposes only, and I think we all need a drink for something. You would love to get a prescription for... I know. I've got some, I got a prescription for several things right now. No, 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 stop, no, no, no. But I do think... No, 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 But none of them say full pint on it. That's true. This one, <laughs> so go ahead and swirl this one around a little bit. Just kind of... You know, think about it from uh, the you know the time there was uh, the 1920s. I mean, my goodness, you know, football wasn't even in the just starting. Uh, yeah, yeah, just, just starting. Yeah. Start just you don't. We don't have time for a little history of the NFL. I can was, give it to you though. Yeah, it was boxing, baseball, and track. Don't forget horse racing. You know, I, you know, I would equate this whole entire venture to horse racing a little bit. You know, Peyton and I were talking. I was like, this is you know we're. We're not uh, we're not horse people, but at the same time, I think we've everybody, all our friends, are going. That's a pretty horse you got there in Sweetens Cove. Like, yeah, you know, don't ride it. You know, stay off of it. Stay away. Don't screw it up. It's good like it is. Let it let, let it go. Let Marianne. Let Marianne. It do, also do also takes hand. a long time to make money in That's the distilling business. Like uh, you know, a lot of people think that you just make money. Um, no, I think we're. But you we're more in a, yeah, we're more into yeah, making memories it's, it's, and having a lot of fun it's, along it's, the way. It's the story that has kind of drawn me to this project, Fred. Uh, like I said, if you ever go to this golf course in East Tennessee, uh, Cooper, that's what I told you. I was like, you got to just come here and just kind of see it and feel it. And the tradition, for people that don't know, was that people were – it's a public golf course. People were doing a shot of whiskey on the first tee. 
and kind of leaving it for right. the, the maintenance staff or the group coming behind them who's just pay it forward. So off of that tradition at Sweetens Cove Golf Course is where we started Sweetens Cove Bourbon. So it's a real story. It's authentic. Uh, it's not just um, you know a bunch of people just trying to you know put their names uh, behind a. Uh, spirit. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not Manning. It's not Manning Bird. Absolutely not. It's not Roddick well, Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, for both. It's uh, and so you know, being uh, a University of Tennessee graduate, having great ties to the state of Tennessee, that's what kind of drew me to it. Andy's the one that kind of got me to come see it. Say, Peyton, he's got to come to this place. I'm telling you, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Got there anyway. There's the story of uh, kind of how it got going. So it's the story, and then. Once we kind of got Marianne on the team and realized, you know, what she was capable of, that's kind of when everybody really got excited. And uh, we're, we're well, you got the real deal in, uh, in Marianne. I've right. Been, yeah, I've you, been a champion of her for uh, a fan of hers for since the beginning. Tell me what it is about her skills that. Um, well, first of all, you know, Marianne is uh, she's gonna she's gonna do it her way, and you know, there's not many people who would be up for the Woodford Reserve Master Distiller and would leave for somewhere else. And there's not many people who would get to that somewhere else to be the Master Distiller and go out on their own. Hmm. And there's not many people who would then go out on their own and then join the circus and keep doing what they're doing. You know, So she has, she has such a unique uh, perspective in knowing who she is. So that's the first part. Yeah. The other part is like she really knows whiskey. And and she knows whiskey from a chemical perspective, and a taste perspective. And um, and when you put when you put something like that together, now I have I have not seen her take what you want or take what another client wants or whatever and put and, and match that. I don't know that side of her yet, mm-hmm. but um, I, I will tell you that there's there's very few things that she has done that has not impressed me. Like when I first met her in 2013. Uh, I kind of walked away from that. I was like, you know, I just met a you know future superstar wow. in our you world. You knew it then. Wow. Yeah. So that was That's uh, cool. So it's been really incredible to see her uh, come up like this. And you know, my book uh, Whiskey Women was all about like telling the stories of women who uh, were kind of forgotten in history. And she's come she's come through the you know the door and created a new history mm-hmm. for women and i just you know i think she you know and, and to that you know she would love to taste this whiskey so i'll make sure i save her some but i'd say like toast to her here here to, Mary to Mary Ann. Ann. Mary absolutely Ann. here here but this is uh this is this is unique i know i don't i'm not sure it almost has a little more rum taste does it did you pour it in the rum glass? I mean, because that might have something to do with it. Golly, Fred, you got me all discombobulated. I'm pouring, I'm mixing glasses. You were hoping he was going to say it does, because you're learning, but no. No, no, no so, so there's Isn't like... Isn't division just like multiplication? There, there is a, uh, there is a kind of like cherry syrup in this, you know? Okay. So the, the sweetness is there. Out, and just um, one second. And kind of a little bit like that Four Roses, where it's got some leather. That's what, yeah. You know, and it could be Similar just to the first one. Yeah, old. You know, been in the bottle for a long time. But uh, you know, what's you know, the name pay, of your other child, Fred? Uh, Oscar Julian, and, Julian Joseph. Julian, yeah, Oscar Leo, and that's Julian a, Joseph. That's a good name. 
Yeah, we. Uh, the one thing that we have going for us, we can pick good names. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that's about it. But, um, you know, you, you have been, you know, Peyton, you had, like, in, such an incredible career. You're going in the Hall of Fame, uh, best Hall of Fame class, you know, that, you know, we've seen. And, uh, you know, what's it mean to you to go into the Hall of Fame right now? Well, it's a great honor. Uh, proud to represent um, a number of uh, places uh, when, when you... Um, uh, are awarded uh, uh, something like that. You know, other sports kind of make you choose which team you represent. You know, you have to only go in as a New York Yankee mm-hmm. or a Boston Red Sox. And NFL is good because you get to kind of go in as a human being and take uh, whoever was a part of your football journey with you. So I go in uh, as a New Orleans native, as a University of Tennessee graduate, as an Indianapolis Colt, mm-hmm. Denver Bronco, and all the people from those four places that have been a part of my football life, my family, my high school teammates, coaches, college, NFL, not just the teammates and coaches, Fred, the behind the scenes mm-hmm. support staff on in any business, right? I mean, it's your equipment manager, your video director, people that have received zero attention on a national TV broadcast, but were integral in my football career. So. Uh, when you when you find out news like that, that's what I think about all the people that have been a part of this journey for me, and uh, very honored and uh, very humble. Well, I know I look forward to your speech because I remember your um, um, your retirement speech. You were you were talking about people on your practice squad that I right. had never heard about. Right. You know, and I right. just like uh, as like a fan, I got excited about that. Yeah, that, that's that's my greatest takeaway all my years in playing. Is uh, is the people, and uh, not to draw it back to there, but you know what I miss about football is being a part of that team. You, you do everything together; it's the ultimate form of bonding and camaraderie. And so now that I'm not playing, I find myself on different teams, and mm-hmm. uh, you know some philanthropic teams, uh, the Sweetens Cove team, and you know um, I, I always gravitated to team sports growing up as a kid, not the individual sports, because I like working together, communicating, having a goal, trying to execute. Uh, so, uh, But it's been fun kind of going down memory lane uh, once I received the news because i uh, uh, very appreciative of all the people that have helped me in this journey. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who'd like to see you get back in the game as a coach, <laughs> you know. Not sure I'm worthy or qualified. Uh, it's, uh, I like being an ambassador. I, yeah. I, I, love, I love football. It's important. Uh, I like seeing uh, the game getting safer and, and young people uh, knowing that it's still a, a good game. And so um, uh, proud to be an ambassador. All right. You think he'd be a good coach? Fred, in, the, in, the, in his Hall of Fame speech that I've been writing, <laughs> I'm, I touch on that a little bit. So you can just, just tune in in August, okay? I love it. I love it. Well, what should we, what should we uh, wrap up with here? What should be our, our, our toast to, to end it? I think probably... I would go to the reason we're here, Fred. Let's go back a little well, sweet. All right. Go back full circle. Well, I got a, I got a dump and uh, and uh, swirl and some water. How many days a week are you having a little sip, Fred? Just a little. little I don't water. talk about that. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> Just a little. No, you have to like. So I'm uh, I'm tasting all the time, but you've got a, you know, you when you when you drink for a living and you pay to get to drink with people yeah you got you got to manage your liver time uh-huh. it's, it's kind of like in uh 
the NBA, they call it load management. That's right. You know? So, uh, which they, you know, don't do that in the NFL, but, you know, I have to give my liver a little load management. But uh, I'd say, uh, you know, day on, day off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, you know, it's good to have you all in the bourbon industry, in the spirits business, and uh, really exciting to see where you all go with it. If I have one piece of advice for you all going forward, it would be to, like, uh, let's get something that is on uh, can be on more shelves, mm-hmm. you know. And I know that's always a challenge, but uh, never forget about the guy who can't afford the $200 bottle. You know, always think about the guy who, you know, it's kind of like, you know, football. Yeah. Not everybody yeah. can Behind get that, get yeah. that uh, big yeah. ticket, but there's a lot of people in general admission, so... I look forward to y'all's career here and where you're going. Good. Cheers. Cheers to you. Thank Appreciate you so much. Appreciate it very much. Good. Next time, wear an ascot, baby. <laughs> I know. How rude. How about that? I mean, the Manning boys are something else. I really could drink whiskey with them all day long. Now, I'll tell you that I bet you around a campfire, you know, out in the middle, uh, underneath the stars on a trip, I could see them uh, being... An incredible, incredible group uh, to hang out with. And you know what? Whoever's bringing the whiskey, it better be good. Because uh, one thing I learned about hanging out with them, they don't like bad whiskey. They like the good stuff. And, you know, they're on to something there. They're they're in the whiskey game. Uh, I told them to bring down their price point if they can, if they can get themselves in a, uh, in a uh, lower price point that would be good for everybody. And I hope they take that uh, they take that advice because I do believe in making sure that you you have a little bit of something something for everybody. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. A big shout out to Podcast One and the entire crew over there, uh, Ari Alistar, you know the whole marketing team. I'm so excited to work with you all. This is going to be an incredible incredible uh, partnership. Uh, Podcast One, of course, the largest podcaster in the biz and i'm really honored to be here big shout out to kevin gibson uh and pamela fur my producers on the show and i appreciate all my team members and everybody who's ever listened this is uh this is a big step for us all here on the minic media side but this is now a podcast one podcast so thank you all for tuning in if you haven't yet give us a review on apple spotify or however you get your podcasts Make sure you're following us on all the social medias. The Fred Minnick Show has its own social media handle, but you can also find me at Fred Minnick on all the socials. Be safe out there, folks. And remember, no looking handrails, no looking trash cans, and vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Michter's American Whiskeys and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.